Open your Bibles this morning to Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter. We're going to read one section, but it's actually two stories that Mark has sandwiched together because of the way that the stories unfold. So pay attention because we're going to tie the two together the way Mark gives it to us. Beginning in the 21st verse, Mark chapter 5, this is what we read. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And Jesus went with him. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said to herself, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, he immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? His disciples said to him, Jesus, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Jesus looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. Jesus allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he'd entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But Jesus put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithakumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Jesus strictly charged them that no one should know about this 
and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. We've been looking at Mark's gospel, the uh, gospel of Jesus, the story of what he taught, what he did while he was here. We reminded you back in December during our Advent series, Jesus came to earth, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. But he didn't just come to come. He didn't just come to be here. He came to do something. And so we want to know what it is that the gospel is all about. This good news that we are supposed to be sharing with other people. What does it mean? Well, let's just briefly walk through these two stories to see what it is that that Mark brings to our attention. And then we're going to see what we can learn from it this morning. Jesus gets out of the boat and immediately a man comes up to him and approaches him about his daughter. He says that his daughter is very sick. Sick to the point that they think they're, they're afraid she might die. This was not, you know, the cold or a flu. This was very sick. And we know he's not exaggerating because she does eventually die. So this is a serious problem. He comes to Jesus and asks for help. And as you would expect, Jesus starts going with the man to go to his house to help. What would we expect Jesus to do otherwise than to go and help the man? While they're walking toward this man's house, a woman comes up from behind and touches Jesus' garment because she is also sick. She has a bleeding issue. She's had it for 12 years and is not getting any better. So she comes to Jesus and she tells herself, if I just touch his garment, I'll be healed. And sure enough, she kind of just snuggles up. She touches Jesus' garment. She just kind of drifts back. Well, Jesus, Mark tells us, knows that something's happened. And he doesn't explain fully what it means. He says that power went out of Jesus. Jesus knew that something had happened, right? Was Jesus looking at his voltmeter and he saw his volts go down a little bit? Ooh, we don't know. But somehow Jesus sensed that something had happened. Jesus stops. Who did that? The disciples are looking around. They're traveling in a group of people and they're bumping into each other. And they're like, Jesus, seriously? You want us to stop and find out who touched you. It's kind of like having kids in the back seat of the car. Oh, he touched me. He's touching me. Who cares, Jesus? When the woman sees that she's not going to get away quietly, she comes and falls down before Jesus and said, it was me. I did this because I needed to be healed. And she, you know, the story, as Mark tells us, she had been going to doctors so much that she's out of money. In that day, medicine obviously hadn't progressed to where we are today. One of the cures that was recommended for her problem was that you take the ashes of an ostrich egg and carry that around in a piece of cloth. Very scientific, you can tell. 
But if it was summertime, you need to carry those ashes around in a linen cloth. But if it's the fall, you need to carry it around in a cotton cloth. Okay. She'd spent all her money, had not gotten better. But now immediately when she touches Jesus, she's better. She spent all of her money, and uh, all the Gospels tell us she not only didn't get better, she got worse. Anybody want to relate to that this morning? Feeling like your problems are just getting worse and worse and worse, no matter what you're doing? After Jesus is done dealing with the woman, at the same time, then, messengers from the house of the man with the little girl that's sick come and say, she's dead. And they just point of, of fact, just matter of fact, say, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. And the implication was, we really believe that this Jesus could have done something had he gotten here before she died. But now that she's died, it's too late. They travel, and Jesus tells the guy, don't, don't worry, just believe. They travel to the house and they get there and there's this big commotion with all this weeping and wailing going on. In that day, in that culture, and it's true even to today, they wouldn't just mourn. They would hire mourners to come in. Professional people to weep and to wail for you. And that was a way of, of showing your love, to show your grief, that you get people, hey, listen, come, come in and, and, and mourn for us. Jesus comes in, he sees all of this weeping and wailing and mourning going on. He says, what are you doing? She's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they laugh at Jesus. Jesus puts everybody out of the house except for mom and dad and, and the three inner disciples, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus took with him for these special occurrences. He goes into where the girl is. He takes her by the hand. He says, get up, and she gets up. And I love the way Mark puts it. He said, they were all amazed. And my response is, you think? You don't normally see somebody just wake up a dead girl. And they're amazed by this. And we're told that Jesus instructed the girl to be fed, which does a couple of things. It affirms that she really was raised, but it also affirms that she's not just a ghost. She's physically eating to confirm that she really is better in this story. Now, as we begin to look at these stories in the way that Mark has sandwiched them together, he does that, I believe, that's not just the way they happen, but we can also learn by looking at them together. These people are quite different. This man and this woman are rather different. Let's look at them for a moment. How are they different? Well, one, he is a successful, he's the leader of the synagogue, which would mean he's got money. But the woman is broke. She spent all her money on doctors. One is the leader of the synagogue, which means he's got power. He's got position. The other one is a woman. And in that culture, women did not have power or position. 
She was definitely in a lower class politically, socially than a man in that culture. He would have been very respected. In that day, a woman couldn't even give testimony in court because they were considered unreliable. This woman, because of her bleeding problem, would have been ritually unclean, outcast in society because of that ritual impurity. The other, though, was well-respected and well-received wherever he went. Quite different. The man came openly to Jesus, falling down at his feet and saying, I need some help. The woman comes secretly. She tries to do a hit and run, just touch and go. And if she'd had her way, nobody would have known. Get in, get out. These two people, though, who are quite different, also have some things in common. Did you notice some? Both have a serious problem. Her situation, as she's growing worse, she's going to die too if she doesn't get some help. This little girl, she's in a desperate situation. She's near death. Both of these people, one wealthy, one poor, one well-respected, one scorned. They both had serious problems. How many times do we convince ourselves in life that no one knows the problems we're going through? No one has problems like me. We will actually convince ourselves that some people, rich people, don't have any problems. Well, this is a rich man who had some problems. No one is immune from having problems. Everyone will face death. Not only their own death, but also the death of people close to them. If you have not experienced the death of someone close to you, you will at some point. If you haven't, and I assume since you're here this morning that you haven't experienced death for yourself, trust me, it's going to happen. Every one of us here today is going to die. Everyone has problems, serious problems. Number two. Both of these people experience their problem getting worse. Both of them come to Jesus out of a sense of desperation. God often brings us to the point of desperation in our lives so that we will look toward him. We, one of the questions that we so often ask ourselves when we're going through problems in life is why? Why is this happening to me? One of the primary reasons why God allows bad things to happen in our lives is so that we will look toward him. In uh, the previous story, At the beginning of Mark chapter 5, we're told about a demon-possessed man who's got so many demons inside of him, he's so out of control, he's living naked in the cemetery. And when Jesus gets out of the boat there, he comes running up to him. Desperation leads us to do desperate things. 
And these are people who come to Jesus. We need help. Number three, both of these people are equal to Jesus. This is huge. One is a rich man. The other is a poor woman. And yet Jesus treats them equally. When Jesus is walking to the man's house and the woman touches Jesus, Jesus could have kept going. But he stops to deal with her because she was important enough for Jesus to stop. I wonder what the father was doing there. I know what I'd have been doing. While Jesus is, well, who touched me? Jesus, we got to get to my house. My kid is sick. And you're worried about who touched you? Jesus is talking, and I'm sure when the word comes from the house that the girl is dead, I wonder if the man's thinking to himself, you know what, if Jesus hadn't stopped and talked to this woman, we could have gotten to the house in time. They're both equally important to Jesus. Now, this is not the point of the sermon, but while we're here, let's do it. How many of us treat people differently based on who they are? Come on. We treat power people differently than we treat other people. People who can do things for us differently than we treat people who can't do anything for us. Jesus treats both of them the same. Number four, they both have faith. Both the man and the woman come to Jesus fully believing that if they get to Jesus, they can get something that they need. They both have faith. Now, as we look at this story... What's the gospel? What's the good news that we see in these two stories? Well, what we see is this woman who has spent all of her money on doctors that didn't work, by the way. She gets healed for free. Try that today. Try walking into the doctor and say, listen, I'm not paying until I get healed. See what happens. The man, even though he's got money, Jesus, you know, you want me to come to your house? Uh, 50 bucks. This isn't about money. The good news is we can get what we want from God, what we need from God, but it's not about money. Because how many of us don't have a whole lot of money to give to God to get it? And if it depends on us having money, we're in trouble. The thing that works for this woman costs her nothing. And Jesus is able to do what no one could do. All these different doctors, and it wasn't working. She comes to Jesus first time, bam, she's healed. Jesus succeeds where others fail. In the first story in in Mark chapter 5 of the demon-possessed man, the people in the community were trying to control him with chains and ropes, and he was breaking free. They couldn't do it. They could not control this out-of-control man. And Jesus drives the demons out of him, and when the townspeople come, he's just sitting there quietly listening to Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Jesus didn't need chains and ropes to bind this man to control him. He was able to do what others couldn't. This woman is such a picture of our world today because she's desperately trying for help 
to get help going to different doctors over and over, giving more and more money and getting nowhere. How many people do you know in your life today? You're just watching them get worse and worse and worse. Often they're going from this self-help group to that self-help group, trying this, trying that, trying all these, nothing's working. How sad to be locked in these situations and to see no hope. The good news is that Jesus can save us from eternal death, not just physical death. This is important. This little girl that Jesus raised from the dead, she died again. We don't know when. The story doesn't tell us. But sometime down the road, probably years later, she died. You know why? Because everybody dies. This woman that Jesus heals of her bleeding issue, she died. We don't know when, but she did. And no amount of faith that we have is going to keep us from dying physically. We see people who are facing death, someone very close to them, and they'll go and they'll pray, and they, oh, I believe, and they just hope and trust that the person's going to get better, and the person doesn't. And they lose their faith. The Bible never tells us that we can faith our way out of death. It's going to happen to each one of us. But the good news that you came this morning, again, preacher came, he told us we were all going to die. Let's go get some coffee and cake, right? The good news is not that we're all going to die. The good news is that we can have life on the other side of death. Something better than this life. Faith can overcome the effects of death so that we get a new life, a new body. We can put down this old broken down body and get a new body that will live forever with no pain, no suffering. No death. That's the good news that we get with the gospel. But the other thing that we see in this story that I think is so important is that the good news of the gospel is that we can see a different reality. How depressing to go through life and never be able to see hope. To never be able to see something better. God gives us the ability to see a new reality better than where we are right now. That's the good news of the gospel. Now we're going to come back to that in a minute, so hold that thought. As we look at these stories about these two people who are similar, but they're also different in some ways, we see that they receive the good news of the kingdom. But as we read the story, what was required of them? We talk about the gospel being free, which it is. But that doesn't mean that there aren't requirements to receive the gospel. We don't earn the gospel, but we have to be in a certain place to receive it. Write these down quickly. We'll give you three things. To receive the gospel, number one, you've got to come to Jesus. Both of these people didn't just get better by staying at home. 
both of them physically had to come to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who gives us what we need. And there are many people today who preach this idea that it doesn't matter who you go to. All roads lead to God. It doesn't matter. That is simply not true. It's not taught in the Bible. The Bible actually teaches just the opposite. That there is only one road to heaven, and that's through Jesus. If we want the gospel, we must come to him. Now understand, you can put your hope in anything you want. But that doesn't mean it's a, it's a valuable or a worthwhile hope. I can promise to give you a hundred bucks, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hope on it. Right? You can, you can trust me. You can believe. I wouldn't, but you could. You can put your hope in anything you want, but not everything we hope in is worthy of our trust. And what we see in this story is both of these people come to Jesus out of desperation, and in that desperation they receive something that they need. It's a wonderful hope that we have. And a crisis, listen to me, a crisis that brings you to Jesus is a blessing. Do you believe that? A problem, a crisis A situation in your life that causes you to come to Jesus. Thank God for it. Because if it wasn't for that situation, you might not come to Jesus. Number two, not only to receive the gospel must we come to Jesus. We also have to have faith prior to healing. Both of these people, before they received what they wanted, the woman being healed in her body and the man's daughter being healed of her sickness, both of them came to Jesus believing it would work. The woman's telling herself, if I can just touch his garment, it'll work. They had faith before they got what they wanted. Too often we have a wait and see approach. You know what that means? Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. And if God does this, then I'll believe it was God. But we're not going to hold our breath. To receive the gospel, there has to be faith on the front end. To believe that God is going to do something. Why is this important? Because how can you have faith that God can fix you if you can't see what fixed looks like? Are you with me? This woman knew what she wanted, and she knew what fixed looked like for her. If I get fixed, I'll have this bleeding problem taken away. It was already in her mind what she was going to be like. And that's what she was reaching out for. This man, he knew what he wanted. He wanted his daughter to be fixed. He wanted her to be healthy again. After she died, he knew what fixed looked like. He wanted her to be raised from the dead. He had that in his eye, in his mind. He could see it with the eye of faith. Jesus even tells the man, when the the people from his house come and say, listen, it's over. She's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. What they were saying is the door for faith has closed. It's too late. And Jesus runs right over. He opens the door back up. He says, don't you close that door just yet. 
It ain't over until I say it's over. Jesus is, while these people are trying to get him to doubt, just to give up, Jesus is offering him hope. How many of you have people like that in your life today? They're right there to tell you that it won't work. Right there to slam the door. Oh, that's not going to happen. That won't work. Jesus is there to open the door back up so we can see a new reality. Number three, not only must we come to Jesus, not only must we have faith before we get what we we want or what we need, but number three, we've got to have public faith. And that's what was going on there when Jesus stopped and made the woman come forward. The way the story plays out, she's already healed. We're told when she touched Jesus, her faith healed her. She was fixed. And Jesus said, not so quick. We're not done here. Not because she didn't get what she needed already. She did. But Jesus said, that's not good enough. And what Jesus was doing was he wasn't calling her on the carpet (coughs) because she had touched him. Because of her, her flowing blood, she was ritually unclean. By touching Jesus, then she would have made him unclean, ritually. Jesus was not calling her on the, what'd you do touching me? You're, you're unclean. No, Jesus was saying, that's not how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to have faith quietly in your heart. If you have a true faith in Jesus, it's supposed to be public. Jesus was not going to let her get away with having secret faith. If Jesus wouldn't settle for secret faith in the life of this woman, what makes you think he's going to settle for that from us? How many of us today want to come to church on Sunday, do the church thing here, be very bold with our faith in here, but we go out there and there's nothing in our lives for people to see that we believe in God in our daily lives. God is not interested in us having secret faith. And Jesus was giving her an opportunity to come out, and she did. She she didn't know. This is the key. She didn't know that Jesus wasn't going to yell at her. What are you doing touching me? You're a woman. You shouldn't be touching me. You're an unclean woman. She didn't know that Jesus wasn't going to rake her over the coals. When she came, and we're told she came trembling and fell at his feet. Because Jesus said, that's not good enough just to touch and go. We need public faith. But let's go back to this idea of seeing a new reality. Now stick with me. Jesus gets to the house where this little girl has died and all the weeping and wailing, the mourning is going on. And he walks in and he says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus said, she is not dead. She's only sleeping. Was Jesus wrong? Were these people mistaken? They said she was dead, but she really wasn't. Was she dead or wasn't she? 
The report from the house said she's dead, but Jesus walks in. No, she's not. So who was right? Let me let you in on a little secret. She was dead. They knew dead. They had techniques. They had ways of testing a body to see. They'd put it in cold water. They'd do some things to see if there was any reaction physiologically to see if a person really was dead. Don't want to bury somebody because they bury you with that same day. You know, that could be inconvenient. You bury somebody, they're not really dead. Okay? So they would tell, they knew dead. And Jesus walked, no, she's not dead. And again, I asked the question, was Jesus wrong? Yes. She was dead. Hmm. Jesus looked at her and said, she's not dead. Why? Because he could see her through a different reality. Are you with me? Depending from the physical relation world, she was dead. But from the spiritual reality that Jesus was looking at her, she's not dead. As far as Jesus was concerned, she's only sleeping. Why? Because he's going to wake her up. Jesus does something fascinating. He walks over, he grabs her by the hand, he says, get up. Jesus, she's dead. Dead people can't hear. Are you with me? Why is Jesus speaking to a dead girl as if she can hear? Because she could. Because when Jesus touched her hand and spoke the word, she was alive. But Jesus wasn't bound by the physical. Jesus could see a different reality. And Jesus spoke that new reality into existence. What's our problem today, folks? We can't see it. We're stuck in the physical realm. And all we can see is the problem. We can't see what fixed looks like. And so we don't have faith that can move us into that realm. We just stay stuck where we are. And that's the sad part about where we live today. We're stuck where we are when there's hope. We're stuck where where we are when there's healing. But we're missing it. This woman had been sick for 12 years. Don't tell me there weren't days that she felt like giving up. Don't tell me there weren't days when she felt like this is never going to get better. You've been there, haven't you? And if that's where she stayed, she would have stayed sick. But even though she'd had this problem for 12 years, she'd gone to so many other doctors. She said, you know what? If I get to this Jesus, I can be healed. And she didn't stay stuck where she was. She moved toward a new reality, and it happened. Now let's stop talking about those two people. Let's talk about you. What does fixed look like for you? 
Can you see it? In your mind's eye, with the eye of faith, can you even see what fixed looks like? Because remember, you got to have faith before it happens. And if you can't even see what it looks like, how can you believe it? What would your life look like if God were to fix you? Jesus, when he was on trial, he was asked, are you a king? And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Because Jesus is about a spiritual kingdom. Can you see yourself in God's spiritual kingdom being part of that kingdom? Serving him faithfully, being responsible in the kingdom. How many of us sit here today, week after week, we're in church and we see ourselves as where we are. This is the way we're always going to be. Can you see yourself as doing better spiritually than you are right now? It's no wonder we don't improve. It's no wonder that we don't grow. We can't even see it. Go back to that house for a minute. Jesus walks in and says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laugh at him. How many of us maybe not laughing at Jesus out loud, but how many of us are laughing in our heart? That'll never happen. I know the Bible says I can have joy. I know the Bible says I can have peace. I know the Bible says that's not going to happen. How many of us are living with our problems, having convinced ourselves it will never get any better? And instead of moving toward that new reality, seeing the possibilities that come with faith, we just settle for where we are and we try to make the best of it. We just try to manage our problems and and get by because it's never going to get any better. How many of us sitting here today have convinced ourselves that we can never be fixed? One beloved hymn of a previous generation refers to Jesus as help for the helpless. And if you've ever experienced the help that Jesus gives when you're at an utter point of helplessness, you know what I'm talking about. When you've tried everything and it didn't work. When everybody and everything that you're going to, just you're getting worse. Now is the time to come to Jesus. Help for the helpless. I'm going to ask Marcus to come and play quietly. I'm going to open up the altar, the opportunity for you to come and to pray. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. What does fixed look like for you? If you want to come and pray at the altar, come on down right now. God, I need to be fixed. I'm broken. I'm desperate. Everything that I'm trying is not working. What does fixed look like for you? 
If you can't see it, how are you going to believe God for it? We're walking around with the same sins week after week, month after month. We're not growing. We're not progressing because we've just come to believe it'll never get any better. We need to be like this man who comes to Jesus and falls at his feet and begs, I need help. Father God, we're here in your presence today and we need help. God, we need you to fix us because we can't fix ourselves. God, we need the faith to believe that you can do the impossible. So often we're limited by what we can see with our physical eyes. We're limited by what our mind tells us is possible. Because of that, we don't express, we don't have faith in you to believe that you can do what no one else can do. And God, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves fixed. Mature, healthy, not just physically, but spiritually. To where the gospel can come into our lives and bring good news. And God, I pray for that person here today who wants to believe but just can't. Father God, I pray that you would do a work in us so that people around us are amazed at what you're doing at how you're fixing us so that we can give glory to you. We can tell people nothing else was working, but Jesus did. I tried everything and I was getting worse, but Jesus fixed me. God, we want your glory to shine through our lives so that people will be drawn to you by what they see you doing in us. Bless us this week as we move toward that new reality. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.